Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Haunted History Chronicles. Today I'm going to be joined by a special guest, Alison Jornlin, and we're going to be discussing women within the paranormal. Hi Alison, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really honoured to be asked. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today because, you know, some of the people that I'm hoping we're going to be discussing are real heroines of mine and and I'm just hoping that some people listening in will come away learning something about some of these women who maybe they didn't know before which would be very exciting. So I suppose to start off with do you want to just say a little bit about yourself and how you became interested in the paranormal? Sure my name's Alison Jornlin and I'm a writer. Uh, I I'm part of a company called American Ghost Walks that I run uh, with my brother. Actually, he's the business end. I I started giving the haunted history tours in 2008 in uh, my hometown of Milwaukee, and then encouraged him to get started in our. Uh, we live in Wisconsin, our state capital, uh, Madison. That's where where he was living, and uh, then he just really took the business. Uh, from there and and really made it what it is today. So I may have started the tours um, and now I continue to write tours for a company, but he really he really made uh, it a business and made the company successful. So uh, I'm a professional weirdo. <laughs> so I write ghost stories every day. So I'm very fortunate at this point in my life and very thankful for that. Uh, I think... How did I get started? Well, I've always been really interested in the essential questions of what happens after we die and are we alone in the universe? And I guess I can't understand why other people just kind of put that out of their minds. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I think about these things every day and sure, you know, I live my life, obviously, I enjoy being here on earth, but I contemplate other things as well. And I, I think we we all can and, and maybe should do that. Uh, it's good to realize um, the elusive nature of, of life and the impermanence of life uh, and to treat every day with respect, knowing that you won't always be here. And, and also, I think it's important to realize all those who have gone before you. And that, that's very much what we're going to be talking today is the, the women that trailblazed in the paranormal and in parapsychology. I, I'm, like I said, I've always been interested in ghosts since I, the earliest I can remember is probably about fourth grade. It might go earlier than that. But, uh, you know, I grew up, I did a lot of different things for work. Uh, then I became a teacher, which really was inspiring. I had a 13 year career teaching at a Native American school. And I just loved teaching those fourth graders. And uh, I learned a lot from that. And so what I try to do is I really try to uh, bring education to uh, the paranormal things that I do and bring critical thinking as well. Uh, that's maybe has grown out of my paranormal 
or maybe it was growing on my educational uh, background, uh, but even before that, uh, as an undergraduate, I was studying journalism. And I think uh, I think the paranormal really could be more successful as a field if if it was more like parapsychology. If if people interested in the paranormal were more conversant with parapsychology and with history, uh, I think we'd get a lot further than just following uh, some kind of paranormal TV show personality. I think people, that's where they start and that's fine, uh, but they should know that there's a whole universe of incredible uh, information out there that is available to them when they grow out of the paranormal TV shows. Do you know something? I think you literally stole some of the very thoughts that I've had myself, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't knock the number of TV shows that we now have. I think they are a wonderful gateway for somebody who is interested in the paranormal. It's made it, it's made it very mainstream. You know, we have now so many more podcasters and TV shows and, and ghost hunting teams and all of these things, authors, you name it, there's a huge amount more now than there was 20, 30 years ago, which is amazing. It's that wonderful gateway, it opens up. But there is so much more to just that. And the paranormal, once you really start engaging with it, it's it's massive, it's like the universe, there is no end. And there are so many dif different aspects, so many different thought processes and um, theories and different people looking at it from different sides and different angles that you know makes it very very exciting but if you only approach it with that very narrow perspective of replicating what you see on a tv screen you're limiting what you can get out of it in terms of questions or thinking and you know i love that part of what you're doing is really opening that up to highlight some of the history to highlight some of the critical thinking that will open some people's minds to other paths and other gateways to see what's happened before and how that might impact on what people do today. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I yeah, really I, I, I'm really glad um, that, you know, you're, you're seeing that too. You're thinking about that too. And I'm sure a lot of other people are thinking about that. And wouldn't it be great if we could get together and make the paranormal more connected to parapsychology yeah. and, and make it something of more substance by understanding the past and learning from those who have gone before. Uh, you know, I think there's a bright path ahead of us, uh, but we can't be singular. You know, no. we can't be, you know, lone guns out there, like just, just doing our own thing. You know, people of like mind who want to make the paranormal better and smarter need to get together and, and work together. I, I think uh, it's too easy for dogmatic skeptics to to dismiss what we have to say because of maybe bedfellows <laughs> that mm -hmm. um are are not really people we should be aspiring to be like um who are out there and i think there there are there are critical thinkers out here in the paranormal world and and that's this is something that i try to bring forth in in our haunted history tours uh, certainly what we're doing is you know it's not a haunted house we're out there 
uncovering stories from communities around the United States and making sure that those stories don't die and then questioning those stories um, and engaging with them um, and knowing the paranormal history of an area as well as the modern reports uh, can really help you der derive better conclusions about what's going on. So uh, when I when I think about the paranormal, I think about critical thinking. I, I don't think that uh, you should believe everything that's out there. And I think being part of the paranormal community means that you are thinking carefully about the things um, that you spend your time on. Uh, because we have so little time and so few resources uh, to bring to the table. There's so many compelling mysteries out there that we have to separate uh, the compelling mysteries from, you know, the made-up stories, uh, which unfortunately there there's a, a significant amount of that. I was going to say there's too. a lot of them. <laughs> yes, and and there should be nothing wrong with saying, look, that does not meet standards. Um, that's not, that's not turning you, you into a dogmatic skeptic. That is just being a friend of the community and wanting uh, paranormal investigation to advance. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to do that, but I think that's something we have to do. And, and I think by looking at uh, the past uh, things that have been done before. I mean, that can show us the way what we should, uh, that sh can show us what we should be doing today. I completely agree. I think that dialogue around what's happening in this field is really critical. Like you said, we're not doing these things in isolation, but you know, how can you possibly fully explore it if you're keeping it to yourself? You know, you may be missing a question that someone else might pose that might just turn things around and have you look at something in a different way and you might learn something that someone else is doing that you can bring to what you're doing and it's just as I say it's a it's a never-ending field of different things and questions and you know coming together just think what we could do as a community if people really did pull together those resources that we all have those questions that we all have how much further we could get and how much we could start to really uncover together rather than, as you said, doing it in isolation. And, and I thank you again for having me on today because this is like the having conversations like this is the first step yeah. um, to improving conversation and improving communication overall um, between parapsychology and the paranormal, for example. Um, we we just have to start it. We just have yeah. to start talking. That's all we got to do. And um, so so we can talk about um, some of these these people who inspired us, uh, and and many of the people who have inspired me have been women. I think overall history is not well known. You know, no. people are. You know, sometimes they just think. Zach Baggins is the be all and end all, yep. and they don't know anything before that. And again, that's a that's a fine gateway. He's a handsome man. I get it, but um, you know when you're looking for that substance, it's there. It, it's not that that uh, you should just uh, look at what's out there on TV and think that's any reflection of 
reality because it's really not. It can, it can, um, it can be entertaining uh, and stoke your interest, and then go out there and find the real stuff. And uh, so I have a question for you then. Mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned that some of the people that um, I've written about and 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 talked about on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/ParanormalWomen, have been personal uh, heroes of yours. So, so why don't we start there? I mean, who who are these heroes of yours um, that you'd like us to know more about, and and then we can we can talk about um, all the great accomplishments of those people. I'd love to. So like you said, I, I find it fascinating that, you know, if you ask people within the paranormal field, even really experienced people within the paranormal field, they often say the same type of people, um, either somebody that's very current today, or maybe somebody like the Warrens. Um, you know, here in England, if you go back a little bit further, we have people like Harry Price, who was mm -hmm. particularly important in terms of the Borley Rectory haunting investigations. But before that, pretty much nothing. <laughs> and right. I went to Cambridge University. So I was studying at Cambridge for four years. And being at Cambridge, you know, you can't go to a Cambridge dinner, for example, which they have on a regular basis without seeing the portraits of influential people within Cambridge and part of the universities literally adorning every surface of the dining hall let alone the rest of the university itself and so of course someone very important within Cambridge and Newnham College is Eleanor Sidgwick and oh, yes. having spent four years there and I didn't go to the college that she helped to set up but I knew little bits about her in terms of her importance in terms of really trying to push forward women's agenda to ensure that women were getting an education and that education was open and further education was open to women, which I think in itself is pretty amazing. And having come from a teaching background myself, you know, something that I just truly admire about her and her husband, that that was something that they really pushed hence them setting up Newnham College in Cambridge for women going on for st further study. But it wasn't until kind of years later <laughs> that this woman who I'd known about, who I was incredibly impressed by in terms of this education setting, that I suddenly realised her, her importance within the paranormal field as well. And the fact that not only did she help to set up the Society for Psychical Research with her husband and some other key influential people. But the body of work that she was contributing within that is, is immense. And so I have huge respect for her in terms of what she was doing educationally. But then to also know that this was something that she was very much engaged with, that she was really pushing boundaries to further this field to develop critical thinking and to spend sometimes years researching and documenting and gathering evidence to put forward you know all of this in documented journals to either show something um, prove something wrong is just incredibly powerful and when you think of you know the modern day paranormal investigator and the critical thinking that we need to apply when we're looking at something to see if something is paranormal, to ask those wider questions around things like telekinesis, telepathy. She was doing this <laughs> over a hundred years ago. 
and she was doing it incredibly well and I just think hats off to her I am very impressed so right. yes Eleanor Sidgwick is definitely one of my all-time paranormal idols as well as educational idols <laughs> Right. So she uh, was just an amazing woman. I just like looking at her body of work, uh, not just in terms of the paranormal, but also in terms of advancing uh, women's education. I mean, she was an inc incredible person and and uh i call her the statistician of the paranormal yeah. uh because of her work with the so society for psychical research the, the spr uh and nora as she liked to be called uh she was president of the society for psychical research twice in 1908 and then again in, in 1932 and she conducted experiments on telepathy or a thought transference under hypnosis. Uh, I think most significant uh, was her collection and the research she contributed on the largest uh, scale studies into crisis apparitions. And mm -hmm. uh, you'll know what crisis apparitions are if you're listening. Uh, that's when uh, usually someone who's close to you dies and and you see them for one final time, usually around the moment of death. You see them appear in uh, your bedroom, and then suddenly you're gone. They're gone, and you're like, you know, what what just happened? And then you get the call that your loved one has died. So that it crisis apparitions are are kind of that uh, either a call for help in some cases uh, when someone is in the throes of death or that final goodbye. And uh, she conducted a census of 17,000 experiencers of crisis apparitions, which resulted in the publication of the groundbreaking book, Phantasms of the Living, which is still to this day one of the greatest works in uh, parapsychology, in, in my opinion anyway. Oh, I agree. And, you know, just that number, it just goes to show just how in-depth she would go she was very dedicated to what she was doing and her, the body of her work is like i said it was immense but she was very humble about it so she didn't really kind of like to toot her own horn it was her colleagues it was those around her that would who would kind of emphasize that without what she was doing they would not have been able to put forward the kind of the body of research that they were doing and findings that they were that they were coming up with and evidence that they would gather because she was so dedicated to approaching this scientifically to investigate something scientifically and to be really thorough and analytical but unbiased about it and yeah. she was doing all of this whilst also you know handling the finances of Newnham College basically running it single-handedly and helping her brother who was you know incredible in what he was doing in terms of engineering and she was helping him with the mathematical side of that you know she was literally everywhere doing all of these different things but just an incredible woman really incredible yeah and and if you go and you talk to the paranormal crowd today <laughs> i'm sad to say they're not going to know who she is yeah, and that's a problem yeah it is and, especially and, when you see you know all of the things that she was investigating are still current today 
and her findings are still things that you can go away and read and look at it and go huh is this something that you know i can take myself is this a thread that i want to continue to explore you know these same questions are still here over 100 years later right and you know that's that's the importance of really knowing what some of these early pioneers were doing and and to learn by their example uh because she was very skeptical mm -hmm. uh, e even though you know she was doing all this hard work of the hard work of science yeah. when you are actually investigating you're not just oh you're not just like promoting stories and um and uh, just just maybe even sometimes uh, as is the case promoting falsehood so that you can advance like this idea of mystery you know that's that's not what she was interested in doing she was interested in investigating and reporting whatever she found and that is um something that is just really really uh inspiring to me uh and she had vocal critics because um she because of this skepticism um she believed that most of spirit photography and and mediumship uh was rife with fraud yeah. and she did not she did not sit quietly about it just because she was afraid she might offend somebody um this is my favorite quote she said it is not because i disbelieve in the physical phenomena of spiritualism, but because I at present think it more probable that such things occasionally occur, that I am interested in estimating the evidence for them. So she was saying, hey, wait a minute, just because I'm interested in the paranormal doesn't mean I have to give any weird claim a pass. In fact, it instead, gives me responsibility i have responsibility if i really care about this field to uh separate the wheat, for, wheat from the chaff and and that doesn't mean i'm a bad guy that means i'm trying to find what's really there i think that as she said i think that there's something that is really there and so i've got to separate the wheat from the chaff because i'm really interested in the true phenomena just not 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 just fantastical stories but i want some answers and i'm going to do the work to find them and again that's also why I loved her because like you mentioned she wasn't afraid to dismiss and to debunk things that she could disprove and she 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 debunked some of the the better known mediums of the day etc and her reasoning for that was she wanted the authenticity where she couldn't disprove it that's what she wanted to be focusing and highlighting on to continue further investigating and questioning and to look at those aspects as opposed to the thousands of other examples that maybe weren't quite so genuine and that's very powerful because like you said she was really wanting to identify the truths the unknowns and focus on those to really start exploring those kind of real kind of nuggets those wonderful aspects that are what make us all very excited and yep. not <laughs> and, and i think and i think if you know of her she 
forces you to examine yourself yeah and to answer a question for yourself uh am as to what you are as someone interested in this field are you someone who is just interested in perpetuating stories mm -hmm. and that holds you as factor or are you somebody who is an actual investigator she her existence and her life when you read about it it forces you to ask that question of yourself and i think yeah. that's why knowing about her is so important for people in this field yeah i completely agree and you know if we all had that same kind of critical approach you know just in terms of going in and carrying out an investigation not every bump that you hear and sound that you hear is something paranormal you've got to be able to stand there and rationalize and think okay what could be making that sound where could it be coming from you know you can't allow your emotions of the night to carry you away you can't be unwilling to also look at what other possibilities it could be and you know just on that simple level you know if you if you have that kind of mindset that's her mindset you know being that critical thinker that advocate for uncovering the truth and to examine all possibilities first before stating a claim um, and and i just i i love the spr i mean i think more people should know about the Society for Psychical Research oh, and, and the American branch over here in the States. Um, and, and I think uh, there's there's amazing work there to learn from. And, and then even before that, I think uh, very much the template for that was laid by Catherine Crow, another woman from the UK. Another one of my favorites. <laughs> yes. So... I call Catherine Crow the OG, the yes, original ghost hunter. And I challenge anyone to try to take that that title away from her. I don't think that you could because although, you know, there were people writing about the supernatural in the past and certainly looking into strange goings on, um those those uh attempts often had uh, a religious overtone as uh, their motivator, you know? Yeah. So so the motivation was uh, Catholic or Protestant. And although in, in her seminal work, The Night Side of Nature, published in um, 1848, you know, she does talk about God. She does talk about the Bible. As you read, you can see that that's not her primary interest you know she's not looking at these things um through the eyes of religious persons she's she's proposing a way to look at these things as a scientist yeah and that that's what i really find amazing she knows that a lot of her readers will be coming to this um from from uh, various christian faiths so she's certainly certainly addresses that but um in in her own approaches to, to things she was surprisingly secular uh for example um uh, in it in her chapter on poltergeist she also deals with uh possessions demonic possessions 
And because those two things, uh, the more you look into poltergeist, you, you see how they're uh, possibly connected to demonic possession. Uh, so she actually proposed that um, not that the Roman rite be used to exercise uh, those stricken individuals, but that they go and see uh, a magnetizer. <laughs> so she was uh, very interested in magnetism, mesmerism. So these things became, because of James Braid, became hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they had they had origins which were very speculative, you know, in terms of um, explaining why why uh, this process should have uh, an effect on the human nervous system. Uh, but James Braid came in and and separated, you know, kind of the story from it from the science. And we still don't know what hypnosis is. So just to show how secular she is, she proposed that a form of what we now know as hypnosis be used uh, to help uh, free uh, people who believe they were de demonically possessed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just again, an amazing woman who was really pushing boundaries. I mean, there's so much about Catherine Crow that was really rather unique, not just the fact that she was engaging with the paranormal field, but, you know, she was writing about it and writing rather well about it, um, if yeah. you look at how well her book did. But also the fact that she was doing this as an independent woman, you know, she separated herself from her husband. She moved to Scotland to do this. She was... You know, if you think about the modern day paranormal investigator of the woman, how many times do you get told, do you really, you really think it's safe to go out at night by yourself? <laughs> well, <laughs> Catherine Crow was doing that in the early Victorian age when, right. you know, you didn't go out without a chaperone, let alone going in and investigating haunted houses. Well, she was doing that as an independent woman at a time when so many um, moral kind of like, boxes were being placed around women and so many expectations were being placed around women and she was literally just smashing through them and high kicking them to death and just doing what she wanted she was living her own path and I just think wow you know I, I agree I think she's probably the first equivalent to a modern day investigator and without her would we have the investigators that we do now on television i don't know it's a right it's a whole other question <laughs> i think i think that she was the first ghost hunter because she did conduct a ghost a hunt in edinburgh yeah. um in 1854 and she she brought a clairvoyant someone who was um who had some type of psychic powers or mediumship abilities uh, when she was put under hypnosis. So she brought this person into this uh, haunted house uh, with her as well as some other esteemed members from the community. And they tried to make contact with the spirits. And uh, they did um, have some manifestations, although, you know, like so many investigators, you know, Catherine Crow was disappointed that more didn't happen. But, but I think, I think <laughs> they, all. <laughs> yeah, they, they did see some, some uh, strange light manifestations. Uh, and 
and I, I think it was a success in, uh, in uh, I mean, even if nothing happened, it would have been a success because she showed that she knew to apply um, mediumship uh, to paranormal investigation, you know, instead of conjuring spirits uh, in the seance room, you know, why don't we take the medium to these places and yep. see what they can, what what they can tell us, yep. uh, and see if they can put us in contact to uh, with the spirits. I think that um, just just showing that agency uh, is is something, and it, it's it's uh, something that I think paranormal investigators today would recognize. They would recognize what she's doing uh and and every paranormal investigator should know her name because a lot of us use the word poltergeist um and some of us use the word doppelganger uh the reason we know those words and we have them in the english language is because of her she uh, these are german words and the reason that she wrote the night side of nature which is her most famous book on the paranormal but not her only book. She has um, four um, paranormal books that you can get for free. You can just look on Project uh, Gutenberg or many other sites and you can read these things for free. And you'll be surprised at um, how, how topical they still are today. Uh, but she was the one, she was reading uh, German and also French uh, publications and she was inspired by mostly the German uh, research uh, that she was she was reading about. So again, a, another uh, inspiring idea for the paranormal. Don't be just reading English publications. You know, be reading parapsychology, but you know, look to other countries as well. Try to be multilingual as you can, or at least read translations. You don't have to translate things like like uh Catherine like she Brogan. literally was yeah like she yes. was literally uh, doing that yes Google. <laughs> that's right she she uh translated a famous work by this was her first paranormal book in uh, 1845 she translated a work by the doctor um justinus kerner called the seerist of Prevorce. Now, I hope I got that pronunciation right. It's hard. I live here in the United States. I'm kind of isolated. So some of my pronunciations might be off because I've only ever read these things. I mean, it's rare that you find people that you can actually discuss these topics with at length. So I yeah. apologize if if I, uh, if I pronounced that wrong. But uh, it, it was a book about an extraordinary medium that this doctor encountered and uh, she translated it from German. Uh, and then when she wrote her book, the uh, her uh, first paranormal book of her own in, in 1848, The Night Side of Nature, she incorporated a lot of those ideas from those German researchers that she had been reading. So, so she takes these things and makes them actionable and is um, putting that information out there for the English speaking public. And so she wrote a chapter on poltergeist. She wrote about doppelgangers. I mean, the night side of nature is not just about 
um, it's not just about ghosts. I mean, no, um, it was besides, besides poltergeist, uh, demonic possessions, ghosts of every variety as well. You, you have twin telepathy, you have, um, out of body experience, you have near death experience. So all these things we tend to think of as being more modern day phenomena. She, she was writing about them back in 1848. So I get so angry, Michelle. Who knows about her? Not many. Right. And, you know, how many people have read that book? Again, not many. And yet this was a groundbreaking book. It really kind of marked a turning point in society's relationship with the paranormal because it was a bestseller. And it was a bestseller so many times over. I mean, it was reprinted goodness knows how many times and so much of that body of work is still relevant today it's still critical today and it's it like you mentioned she was giving the vocabulary to words that we still use today and given that so much of that work that she was you know she was putting forward was things that were then later picked up by the SBR you know it was a lot of that philosophical psycho you know psychological thinking that she was putting down that was then going out to the general public people were picking up and reading and starting to question and i just think it started to open up a different kind of dialogue outside of what was happening within the spiritualist movement and i just think again hats off to her because she was really groundbreaking and and like i said earlier would we have the modern day ghost hunter without her I don't know. Right. And, <laughs> and again, uh, it's sad, but I would say probably 99.9%, .9%, you know, hopefully we're changing that for someone today, but 99.9% .9 of the ghost hunters don't know her name. And they somehow think that that males advance this field. And you know, males do make contributions, but when you look to the paranormal, you've, and you look to the history, you find so many women were involved um, and really moved it forward in significant ways that, you know, we can't think of um, ghost hunting as some kind of masculine macho pursuit. It's just mm -hmm. wrong. And uh, I, I do get angry because even today, even last year, there's a Scottish publication uh, and there's a, a man, I'm not going to mention his name. He's an author. He writes about things, uh, uh, sometimes ghostly things in, in Edinburgh. And um, he wrote an article for the Scottish publication. And I, it was, uh, it's also on the web. And, and I read it. And it, in one sentence, uh, it in one sentence, again, once again, like over and over again, she's discredited for no reason uh and he he did that even last year it's happening um, which is really sad because yes unfortunately a lot of you know these women were discredited and i think catherine crow was an easier target because she was an independent woman and she was also very well known so that kind of meant that there was a little bit of male pride and male ego that a woman was kind of getting her name out there in fields that they considered themselves to be the experts of and people tear down what they you know 
what they can and unfortunately right. a lot of people know Catherine Crow for the very unfortunate set of circumstances that she may or may not have found herself in in Edinburgh because again right. it's all very questionable well and let's let's address it let's address it so there's this story which might be apocryphal uh, mm -hmm. to, to at least some extent we know that it probably is the result of rumor mongering by um, people who uh, were interested in advancing mesmerism. Now, yeah. now you know, Catherine Crow was wrote about mesmerism. I mean, she loved mesmerism. She went to um, many um, different exhibitions on mesmerism. You know, she followed these things and she wrote about these things in glowing terms. So she wasn't against mesmerism, but a little history is important here. Um, at the time, uh, in 1854, when this um, when this scandal broke out, uh, what was happening was spiritualism was becoming increasingly popular. Yeah. And now, although Catherine Crow was, of course, she she was interested in spiritualism. She was interested in mesmerism. You know, for some reason, they took her to be like the poster child for spiritualism, which yeah. I would argue that she's definitely not. Um, no, no, no. I think she was open. I think that was the difference. Yeah. She was open to the new approaches. And that whole kind of time frame, the Victor Victorian period, you literally saw one wave of thinking after another. And you saw the same within spiritualism in terms of the type of mediumship um, changes in terms of methods used it was just this kind of explosion of different things and different ideas and she was just open to that but right. by being open to that those very die-hard mesmerist fans um, like charles dickens like charles dickens <laughs> who uh, had a bit of an ego and thought he was the expert oh yeah mesmerist. just a little bit just a little bit of an ego uh so he wanted to shoot her down so yeah. he he found a way to do it, uh, to say that she was out of doors, naked, uh, roaming the streets of Edinburgh, out of her mind. Uh, and then everybody took that as license and still do today. Um, this writer um, just last year took it as license to discredit everything she ever wrote. He said, well, you know, Catherine Crow reported this is a you know paraphrasing of course Catherine crow wrote about this poltergeist case that i'm writing an article about now and wouldn't know about without her without <laughs> her but i'm gonna say um so she wrote about it but we got to take that with a grand thought because dude she's crazy <laughs> you know because she did because this this rumor is still out there and again and again anytime she's talked about you see this first, that she's connected yep. with the scandal, which again... I mean, it went pretty big. It was in newspapers at the time. There were letters right. circulating amongst all the kind of the, the literati, um, but also all those that were kind of very influential people within that field. So you had, you know, historians and archaeologists and um, members of the church literally passing letters amongst themselves, all talking about Catherine Crow running the streets of Edinburgh naked. And no I'm, proof. <laughs> With yeah, no proof. Right. We don't need proof. Uh, so the the fact is that, you know, this is over 150 years now. Yep. And we're still believing this lie. 
and still judging her by that which you know <laughs> is, a, is a victorian standard you know if she if it did happen i don't care <laughs> that's right approach it doesn't undermine the body of work that she put forward and the thinking that she was putting forward and if she if this did happen if you know think about the different circumstances that might have meant that's why it happened you know she might have been ill they were illness right. and, and actually, very I, made, I made a video on this uh, uh and it's at um it's at youtube.com slash paranormal women and uh it's I actually interview uh, someone who is a, a prominent investigator in this field, and he's also in his day job active in the medical field. And I'm surprised that nobody did this before. Yeah, nobody like brought this to somebody who's who's a mental health professional and said, "Okay, this person is presenting these symptoms." Uh, are they crazy? Which is not, I hate when people use that word because that is just a complete schoolyard kind of judgment. It isn't mm. a medical diagnosis, no. one. And uh, secondly, uh, secondly, could this be delirium? Could this be a medical cause? And I can't believe that nobody has ever questioned this. This is the problem, not just in the paranormal, but you can see in the other uh, connecting fields when you know people mention Catherine Crow they never question these things and my point is there there were definite motivations to discredit her because um, the mesmerists were feeling wounded they, mm -hmm. they needed a, a star of spiritualism to fall from the sky they've been um, trying to show that spiritualism makes people crazy um, yeah. for uh, for many issues in the zoist in particular which was their publication and here they found they found an opportunity to smear somebody and um to make make their star burn a little brighter for a while although they would never overcome the popularity of spiritualism uh it, it's just ridiculous it just shows the unquestioning nature of these pursuits but it didn't go away and I, I i think in large part of it was down to this perception that women were fragile and you know these things could happen to women and their emotions and their sentiment meant that they weren't really suitable for this type of field and it's something that eleanor sidgwick herself faced i mean i know that there was at one point a um, journalist that wrote an article and told her that women who were intellectual and pursuing these types of things did so at the detriment to their health and their physical being mm. um, which is hugely insulting and she responded to that not with words straight away but Eleanor Sidgwick being Eleanor Sidgwick went away and did a whole body of research encompassing women from both Oxford and Cambridge it was something like 500 women where she was issuing questionnaires, collecting the results, all about their health, their mental health, their physical health, their sleeping habits, their eating habits, their exercise, you name it, she asked about it to disprove this. And then she went and asked their parents, their children, their husbands, their brothers, their other siblings, literally their entire family. And by the end of it, she could categorically prove to this journalist and all the other critics that there was no evidence whatsoever that supported that women pursuing these types of thinking were in any way, shape or form, suffering physically, 
mentally or in any other capacity and her they literally shut up there was nothing that they could say because she had thousands upon thousands of documented research literally proving the opposite and you know yeah. it, it's just mind-blowing that they would have these perceptions that women were not suited to this and to try and tear them down or to stop them but it, it and we're, we're still we're still letting that go on today when we perpetuate this lie about Catherine Crow because yeah. again in her own life she refuted um what was and she disproved what was being said about her because she would live another two decades or close to two decades after this incident um she continued to write she wrote um two more uh paranormal uh books ghost and family legends and uh also spiritualism in the age we live in in uh, 1859. So uh, she was not impaired in any way. And I, I just can't believe that uh, there are people who still promote this lie. And in fact, the writer um, who wrote this um, most recent uh, uh, article, which discredited Catherine Crow in that one sentence, um, when I talked to him about this one sentence, because, you know, it's on the web, we can change those things. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he wasn't interested. He's like, I'm not interested. I'm like, but this is wrong. And you could just change it by changing, changing one sentence. Mm -hmm. Nope, not interested. Just let it, let it ride. And, um, thankfully there are some, you know, thoughtful people who have changed their minds on that. Um, you know, one, um, being, uh, Colin Wilson, who, mm -hmm. you know, did, uh, mention this, um, this uh, story um, in one of his books when he actually wrote the foreword uh, to an edition on uh, the the night side of nature, he actually took that back. And mm -hmm. he said that he thinks that Catherine Crow was ahead of her time and, and she laid the foundations for the SPR. Uh, so he was able to change what he thought and I, I think all of us uh have to be again show that when you learn you change yeah. you don't just like stick to it if it's false you actually go in there maybe eat a little crow and change it um and and i have more more examples too of others that have that have done that as well and changed their thinking on Catherine Crow when they looked a little deeper. Uh, and I, I think we gotta be willing to do that uh, overall in the paranormal. When you learn, change. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And likewise, doing that now as well, because I think, you know, in an overly saturated kind of field, it's also easy to tear what other people are doing down um, and to dismiss other people or to try to do that in order to accelerate your own star. It comes back to what we were saying right at the very start. You know, this is a community. If we could all just pull together and learn from each other and have that dialogue rather than the sometimes debate going beyond debate, you know, just think again, what could we achieve together rather than separately? And the same, you can see the same back then with crow and though these other people working in their own little spheres just missing that also and what could have been achieved if they'd got together those like-minded people with different perspectives but just 
engaging in conversations and dialogue rather than trying to tear her down for what she was putting out there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're listening now and if you're a person out there that uh, believes in truth and paranormal investigation and working together, you know, take this as your signal to go out there and reach out and uh, to learn more about uh, the history uh, of the field that you're in so that you can become better and more informed. You know, just just take this as your signal that that's the new direction. That's the way to go. you know, that's what I hope people take away from this. And oh man, there are so many more women we should talk about. Uh, but you know, I can see that we've been talking for a long time just on two of them. And that, no. that shows again, you the incredible depth so of these figures. And this is where I just think anybody who hasn't um, visited your YouTube channel or checked out some of the writing that you've put out there or listened to you on other podcasts, you know, you, you, go and do that because I can certainly say that I had my eyes open to some women who I've never heard about, particularly, you know, coming from the UK. Um, there's less knowledge over here about um, tilapas, etc. And yet you write about women who are really pioneering and discussing some of those things. And, you know, for me, that's really intriguing because it's not something I've necessarily really had the chance to immerse myself in as much because it's just not part of our culture really in the same way here in the UK but really fascinating and intriguing and to see the pivotal role that some women were making in so many different areas so many different aspects so we're we you know it's a field that we can all continue to learn from and, and education is part of that constantly learning constantly exploring and and looking and seeing what else is out there pushing our own boundaries in terms of what we think and what we expect you know it's only by doing that that you know who knows what we start to uncover and what we can apply to our own thinking and what we're doing and i'll be making more videos i've i've been uh away from it for a while um writing ghost tours, haunted history tourism. There's many um, hats that you wear. <laughs> yes, it, it, it pays my bills. But, you know, if the, if people show me that, hey, we're interested, and, and you're showing me right now that you're interested in this type of content, there, there's loads more women we could be talking about. Alexandra David Neal, for example, um, Zora Neal Hurston. Uh, there's a, another woman that I just um, started um, studying recently um, that um, just passed away. Uh, she was um, she was over a hundred years old actually, and her name Impressive. was uh, Dr. Marie Jean Kaufman, and uh, she was she was French she was French of French Russian ancestry. So again, that's another culture, but mm-hmm. those people you know, people all over the world have things to contribute. And, and the more voices we let into our circle, uh, the richer our revelations will be. So uh, I'd love to do more videos uh, at youtube.com slash paranormal women. And I do endeavor to do that in the future. And I'll make sure that all of your details, et cetera, go up with the podcast so they can go on the website as well as all the podcast links. So anybody who hasn't checked 
that you know your YouTube channel out can easily find you just by clicking on that link because you know it's really it's worthwhile it's it's honestly something that I think you'll be fascinated by and once you start you start to realize just maybe how much we don't know or who we don't know that opens that up to like you were mentioning other cultures other countries you know we're all sitting on these people that have gone before us that we can all still learn from and and take some really valuable questions from to help us in our own pursuits and our own questions and our own thinking and you know I hope, like I said right at the start, I hope that's what some people do coming away from this podcast today because it's Thank worth Thank you it. so much. Oh, I've loved talking to you. It's been absolutely amazing. We could literally go for about, I don't know, probably five years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, we certainly we've got could. To eat and we've got to, you know, do all those other things like jobs and work. And yeah, <laughs> oh, no, all that. <laughs> all the mundane stuff but you know if only we could talk about this because it's just fascinating and these women really do deserve a place and our knowledge and our kind of understanding of what they've done because it really truly is inspirational at a time when it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing for them to do so yeah it's amazing thank you so much Alison thank and, you and um, I hope to talk to you again definitely we'll have to do it again another time because as I said it's just been brilliant Bye for now, everyone. If you have liked this podcast, then there are a number of things that you can do. Come along and follow Haunted History Chronicles on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The links are below in the description to this podcast. Share news of the podcast with friends, family who may be interested. You can also come along and join us on our new website, which has a plethora of other features including information on our episodes, guests and a blog which includes guest writers. You can support the podcast further by leaving us a review or taking a look at our Patreon page and in the process gain access to some extra goodies. Your support and encouragement is always invaluable. Thank you so very much, everyone. <laughs>